when I'm down. Got my head in the clouds and my feet on the ground. I got big dreams. Yes, we've got big dreams here at the Genius Lab, and we are so happy to have we. Don't you think that's silly? Like a person who's a who's a who's a person says we. Who the fuck is we? You and the mouse in your pocket? Holy smokes, that just cracks me up. But I crack myself up sometimes. Anyway, I am very happy to have uh, Dr. J, Dr. J. Royster, uh, the superstar of of TRP and uh, EM, what, what's it called? EMP. EMP. <laughs> uh, it is not empty. It is EMP. And, uh, but, you know, I joke about it a lot because it's, it's something that is, Sometimes it's so serious, it's, it's like doom and gloom. You talk about post-traumatic stress, dun, 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 and everybody freaks out. And, and yes, that it is a very, very serious thing. On the other hand, I always find that levity helps to disentangle the emotional impact of some things. And sometimes you got to take a step back so that you can work with something. And so it's kind of like if you're going to catch a rattlesnake, I'm not really interested in grabbing it with my bare hands. I'd rather like get one of those snake pull things and do it from 10 feet away. So sometimes a little bit of humor or a little bit of levity gives you the distance that allows you to be able to look at something that you otherwise couldn't look at in an intense situation. So today, what I thought would be interesting would be to talk to Dr. J about... Um, like normal people stuff, you know, in at 220, we work with a lot of veterans. Uh, we work with a lot of first responders. We work with a lot of people who are um, medical frontliners, people who you would expect like, man, just going to work has got to suck because they immediately face massive catastrophic things that regular people don't. I mean, I see a drop of blood and I pass out. You know, so like I would be worthless in that situation. But I have other ways that I come in contact with post-traumatic stress or trauma and that sort of thing. So I thought we'd talk about like ordinary people trauma today because I know that a lot of people that listen to this, some of you are medical professionals and God bless you for the work you do. Holy smokes. I am so uh, honored to have you as part of the listening audience. But... um there's also a lot of just regular people like me um, who maybe have been in a car accident, uh, had a tough childhood where maybe we had an abusive parent or sibling, uh, maybe have been in a bad relationship where either physically or, or um, verbally or psychologically abused or, or punished in some way that was, that, was, that was more than what was appropriate for the, for the situation, so on and so forth. So, uh, Dr. J, you ready to jump into like normal people stuff? <laughs> sure. I work with a lot of normal people. Oh, good. Well, thanks for being here today, by the way. <laughs> I get you two days in a row. This is pretty exciting. I love being here. Thank you. So, so P PTSD or PTS is not just for military you know, people uh, on the battlefield and first responders. Um, how do you look at, you know, what are the common things that come to you from regular people who, where it's not their job to run into burning buildings and shoot people and stuff <laughs> or get shot at? Yeah. What, what are the kind of situations that, that most present themselves from regular, regular folk? 
Well, the first thing I really want to talk about is, um, do you remember George Carlin? Oh, of course. Okay. So he does this whole spiel on how post-traumatic stress disorder came to be. So I kind of want to share. So in World War I, uh, he spoke about shell shock. Then he talked about combat stress. Then he talked about post-traumatic stress disorder. So this has evolved into more like politically correct type language to soften the blow of trauma, which makes no sense. Because trauma, there's no reason to soften a blow. Uh, They talk about moral injury, survivor's guilt. There are a lot of people that I know that struggle, you know, as civilians with people who have passed on in a traumatic event. There's people who have, like you said, been in car accidents, had so many different experiences. I, I, I remember being an outpatient therapist. I did my residency and there was a lady who was extremely traumatized because she couldn't get her nails done on Wednesday as opposed to Thursday. I had a really hard time with that. But then when I did my supervision, it was explained to me that that was traumatic for her because she struggled with other disorders. So she had OCD and she had depression and some things like that. So she felt reject- rejected from not being able to be seen on that one day. Yeah. So it was actually a huge event for her. And I'm like, girl, I've been through it. So this is silly. Okay. I got to throw in a story here real funny. Mm -hmm. I had a client call me that was absolutely in a tizzy. Like, and I thought maybe one of her kids died. Well, they were building like a, I don't know, a 26,000 square foot custom home on the Red Sea. Wow. And they had this furniture all custom made for their house. And of course, all the draperies had to match the fabric on the furniture and also had to match the custom weaved carpets right. that were like $200 a yard. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the curtains, she came into the, to the house after the curtains had been hung and they were a shade off. And the trauma was so incredible. Yeah. And at first I kind of like, are you kidding? Right. Like, really? In the big scheme of things, that's ridiculous yeah. to us. To us. But that doesn't matter. In her life, it was just as traumatic right. as me losing my, my, my most favorite dog, my, right. my, soul, my soulmate dog. I mean, it was like, your drapes, really? And, and, but then I got it. For her, yes. in her world... The, um, if, we were, um, if we were measuring emotional response, mm-hmm. we'd get the same. My sadness and grief over her thing and her and her drapes. Right. So. On a suds level, yours would be a 10 as hers was a 10 to her. Exactly. But that's the thing we have to keep in mind when we do, even you know, with clinicians or individuals, if you're just talking to somebody, you have to keep the perspective that your perception of their situation is going to be minimized because you're not going through it but it's still important and traumatic to them. Oh, good point. Yeah. It's very important. I I can't tell you how many times I've had just the most, like I used to, you know, I used to do outpatient therapy for human traffic survivors and I'd hear oh, wow. some of their stories and that is one of the reasons TRP is no content because I can't just can't take anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do a session with an individual who, 
you know, has had those experiences and then I'd go to the next person and then, of course, you know, oh, my Wednesday is Thursday. And I'm like, I can't minimize her experience. It's hers. So we have to step back and look, you know, we look at everything from a worldview and we're like, wow, that is nothing compared to the, you know, this guy who had a building fall on him. Right. But it's not about me. It's about the person I'm working with in the moment. Got it. So we have to value everybody's experience and everybody's traumatic events as they are to them. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you think? What do you think is the most unrecognized um, uh, outs, uh, result of trauma? Probably depression. Because a lot of people are under the under the, the guise that you have flashbacks, you have nightmares, you have intrusive thoughts, and it causes like a mania type state. You have mm-hmm. hypervigilance, you can't stand, you know, where, where your back is to the door because you have to be on guard 24-7. And these are all uh, very much symptoms of post-traumatic stress. But what everybody doesn't know is that that Bible that we use, the DSM-5 for clinicians, Post-traumatic stress disorder is actually four pages long. Holy smokes. I had no idea. So there are so many symptoms that are inclusive of PTSD that a lot of people, you know, I mean, even bipolar is only two pages, which is very strange. But you have three different sections of bipolar, too. So it could be more pages, but just for that one diagnosis, it's four pages. But a lot of people don't look at depression and sadness as symptoms of PTSD. So you kind of, as you go with the, with the clients or the individuals that you're talking to, whether you're a life coach, you know, a career counselor, a guidance counselor, a licensed mental health therapist, you have all these different facets, but you have to learn about the, what we call the antecedent, what happened before. Where was the point that this transitioned into you being so sad? I know oh. there are so many people... Um, I, I knew personally of an individual who had an abortion back in the 60s, and she, she turned to alcohol. Well, she had PTSD, and she was depressed. So everybody just thought she was just an alcoholic, and it wasn't oh. that big of a deal. So she, she never sought treatment, she never, and it was way before I knew how to do what I do. So. <laughs> but she has since passed on. But in that experience, a lot of people just, a lot of people don't see PTSD as a transition to substance use. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to bury those feelings and those emotions that become so overwhelming, they can't function. Okay. Yeah, I had somebody in a conversation once, you know, say something about, you know, well, you can't tell me that a person becomes an addict because they have some kind of trauma. I suffer all kinds of trauma in my life, and I don't take heroin or blood, whatever. And- but that's a very individualistic point of view, because some people have those addictive tendencies. Yeah. And then when they're exposed to something that is addictive, they just jump right on it. It's like, wow, I feel better. I'm relieved. I don't have this TRP or EMP tool. So, you know, I'm going to revert to using marijuana, which turns into something else and it's laced with something else. And it goes, it. it goes down this rabbit hole. Got it. Wow. That's some crazy stuff. <laughs> so what about, what about, cumulative trauma some so some of the clients that i've that have come to me for trp they're like well 
I said, well, so what's the event? And they're like, well, or not like content wise, but you know, when did this happen in your life? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it is happening. And I'm like, I don't get it. What do you mean? Well, I'm in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Now my thing is, well then get the hell out of there. What do you, yeah, you it know, doesn't work dude. like that. But it, it doesn't. And so people have some, a lot of very complicated relationships sometimes where, you know, and, and some of us were trained to put up with certain behavior. Mm -hmm. I remember in my family, uh, yeah, we call that conditioning. Yes. In my family, uh, violence was a very common thing. Now I can't stand being around violence, but, but I put up with a lot of things in different relationships or, and, and as a kid being bullied because I got bullied at home. Right. So being bullied outside of home was just That was like, normal So a guy you. comes and smashes you in the face a few times every day. You just let it happen. You ignore it. You walk away. And, you know, that's what I learned to do. So with, with someone who's in a, a situation where the trauma is continuing, what, what do you do? Those are really challenging. Uh, we can use the process, but it doesn't. Um, we teach the brain a new tool, and that's great. And you have your sleep cycle that night, and then you wake up feeling refreshed, and then boom, you're right back into it. So the, like I said yesterday, the the emotions are severed from the past events, but when it's a present or future event, the best thing to do is to get educated. Okay. And honestly, if you have a, you know, I, I I've been through a lot of trauma myself, so I assume that. The way that I was treated when I was young was the way I was supposed to be treated. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any different. And then I was, you know, the whole romantic honeymoon period where they um, they flower you with gifts and they do all these wonderful things and, and you just think they're the best thing ever. And then it starts to transition into more control and, um, you know, you're only allowed to talk to two people and you can't leave the house and, you know, it transitions into things. But a lot of people on the outside get really frustrated. And this happened to me too. I had a lot of friends who got really frustrated with me and they're like, I don't understand why you just don't leave. You know, this doesn't make any sense, blah, 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 blah. Well, they don't understand that I didn't have security outside that relationship. Oh. So I didn't know what I could do on my own. I had no confidence. I had mm-hmm. no ambition. I had no direction. I didn't know what I could do. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the situation, and then, they, my, like I said, my friends, the deal is, is just stand by them. Mm-hmm. Back off when they ask you to back off, but be there when they need you. Got because it. you could save a life. Well, and it, and sometimes I think as an outsider we see th- we see the situation more clearly, and and I forget about the conditioning thing. What do they call it? The the frog in the cold water, uh, you know, and you put it on the sa- on the heat, and it heats up so slowly that, that it, it doesn't, doesn't know. realize it's dying. Yes. So yeah. So so the person in, in the situation is going through the conditioning, mm-hmm. so they don't see it as. You know, the guy just turned into a dick. Well, and they always look to the honeymoon period. Right. So they're always going, well, it'll be better tomorrow after he punches me in the face four times. And I wake up tomorrow with the stomach ache because, you know, I got bruised ribs. But, hey, tomorrow he'll be better. He'll be remorseful. I'll get new things. Got it. And that's what they look for. They look for that to be the relationship because they do such a good job in the beginning 
to woo you, to court you, to get you where they want you to be, that they don't, that you don't, you continue to look back at that and hope for those days. Got it. So let's say one of my listeners is in uh, is in a situation where they have, um, I'll just call it an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. okay? Whether they realize it or not, you know, because my experience is when people have come to me in this situation, they make a lot of excuses for the perpetrator. Absolutely. You know? But, okay, let's say they finally wake up and they go, this is really horrible. It's an awful situation. I don't want to wake up with a black eye again. I don't want to wake up walking on eggshell and walk on eggshells for the rest of my life. Who do they reach out to and how can they get help? Well, there's a lot of organizations on the internet. I mean, if you look up anything, there's domestic violence helplines. I've called them myself. So they're pretty encouraging. Um, they can call 220. We can okay. work through some of these TRP. They can call you. <laughs> <laughs> you can help them work through this as well. But the big thing is, is to, when you do decide that you're done and you no longer want this experience, you have to make a plan because when you leave is the worst time. So you have to make sure that because the person that you're with has many, many issues of their own, they have, you know, this over, they've, they start uh, having compulsions where they feel they need you and their life is ruined without you and they can't function without you, which makes you feel guilt and shame and sad. And, you know, it also builds Starts you the up. Starts the whole thing all over again. It builds your self-esteem, and it makes you feel like, oh, I have to go back because he's going to die if I don't. So you got to have a plan so right. that you don't You have get to have a plan, and it. you have to have support. Got it. And you have to cut off all communication. Got it. Even if you have children, the best thing to do, especially if you're in a relationship, is you go to the judge and you get that that restraining order. I know it's only a piece of paper, but if you have support with you, it that will arm you for you know they'll do the best they can. But the big thing is, is him you know having to stay away for thirty days is very beneficial. Got it. So how about people with depression? Okay, so you know. Not everybody can afford a hundred dollar an hour psychiatrist, you know, or or or, and a lot of people nowadays don't even have insurance that covers anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, first of all, what should people be looking for? One of the things that I that I've noticed is I've had people coming to me that have labeled their condition depression since this COVID thing has the the isolation. The first, at least here in Ohio, there were like three months of complete isolation. Like there was nobody on the streets. It was really weird. Yeah. And some of my clients were actually lived by themselves and literally had no contact with any human being for like uh, 90 days. Uh, except for like drum church, they would come mm-hmm. to and and I started doing a happy hour thing on Thursdays, so they would come and listen to me play. Yeah, music. that's awesome. By the way, I love them both. Oh, thank you, thank you. But um, you know what? What people should what should people be looking for in terms of indicating that they need they could use some help, and where can they go to get it for you know depression and some of these what we might call less dramatic. Traumas. Well, the big thing is, is uh, depression. I've noticed that with a lot of my clients is they don't want to get out of bed. They don't want to take a shower. They don't want to, they're not motivated to do anything. They stop doing what they love to do. So my, my advice would be to get up out of bed, force yourself, 
You know, don't sit there and binge watching TV and eat bonbons all day. Oh, it's damn. not going to make you feel good. <laughs> you can do that on Sundays, okay, but thank after you. drum church, of yeah. course. <laughs> but uh, you get up, you take a shower, you, you know, make a few phone calls. It doesn't matter who it's to, you know, just reach out, get that social. We are social beings. We, we want to socialize. We want to communicate. So COVID has definitely made an influx <laughs> in my clients. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten a lot more clients since the COVID has happened. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, the big thing is, is to get back to what you like to do. Um, find some hobbies, do some crafts, paint some pictures, you know, do something to, to preoccupy your time a little bit until we can get out and be free to do what we need to do but the other thing is when you are feeling depressed and you don't want to you don't want to um go out or do any of those things just reach out i mean everything what's really cool about the mental health world right now is we are very much on a telemarket um, platform so we can get a hold of, like you can get a hold of me on zoom you can get a hold of toby you know we're definitely here we're within we're very good at replying you know if you have our phone numbers or you have all of toby's information he's more than happy to help anybody so. absolutely well, great. Thank you so much for being here today. We got two days with Dr. J. It's so fun. Now, for those of you who uh, follow Hear the Hope, uh, we recorded a song yesterday uh, with Dr. J. She's yeah. doing vocals on it, and uh, it was so fun. CJ and I are doing the music, and, and she's doing the vocals. We're going to be publishing that uh first part of November uh, on hearthehope.org. Uh, keep an eye open for that. And then, of course... I'm really excited about that because Toby and CJ are pretty phenomenal musicians. So, very talented individuals. Oh, we had a lot of fun. So, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, we'll be back with more. Uh, I have a feeling Dr. J will be visiting the Genius Lab uh, more uh, often than uh, in the past. So, we're looking forward to that. And... Uh, Have a fantastic rest of your day and keep looking up.